Welcome to Red Space, and I'm your host, Chase Parrish. The natural order in every society has always been God the Father over God the Son. God the Son over man. Man over woman, and woman over children. Man is to follow Christ, and Christ is always correct. Woman is to follow man. But when woman defects from that role, she is no longer following God, but Satan. When man abandons his post to follow the woman, he too is following Satan. Many have romanticized that Adam followed Eve because he loved her, not being able to live without her. In such an ethical dilemma, Adam stood between two conflicting moral possibilities, to obey God or to follow the woman. Adam did not love Eve, hear me, by cursing their marriage covenant, their family, and their world. It was not romantic. It was the opposite of romance. God is a source of romance, and God did not wink at Adam while corresponding, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, cursed to the ground because of you. And I will send you the second Adam to die on a cross to heal what you've done. The first thing Adam should have done was to respond, Get behind me, Satan. You do not even mind the things of God, but the things of man. Leading Eve to God by gently rebuking and correcting her would have been romantic. Now the woman is is to follow firstly her father, and secondly her husband, never stepping outside the bounds of that general welfare stipulated within the 11th of the 19th century English common law's coverture. Yet the Married Woman's Property Act of 1882 expanded Aristotle's traditional vision of private property ownership toward the woman. As historian Ben Griffin noted, the most striking feature of the debates on the Married Woman's Property Act is how little time was spent discussing the principle of sexual equality and how much time was spent discussing the idea that giving married women property acts would cause discord in the home. Sigmund Freud taught, because girls have nothing to neuter, they become unstable, immoral, conniving, untrustworthy, and loose cannons, to be civilized by their fathers and guided by their husbands. Yet because boys have something to neuter, they become moral, ethical and integrous in consternation that any bad behavior might give grounds to their father in threatening their emasculation. To suppress Freud's sound conclusions, Milquetoast feminist Christians have amplified Freud's famously pernicious doctrines to demonize his entire system wholesale. FrontPageMag.com on September 1st, 2014 featured an intriguing article regarding a 1969 women's meeting. Espoused as a, quote, typical communist exercise practice in Maoist China, end quote. Whose leader asked, why are we here today? They answered, the revolution. She inquired, what kind of revolution? They responded, the cultural revolution. She demanded, and how do we make cultural revolution? They chanted, by destroying the American family. She asserted, how do we destroy the family? They said, by destroying the American patriarch. She questioned, how do we destroy the American patriarch? They cried, by taking away his power. She exclaimed, how do we do that? They shouted, by destroying monogamy. She beckoned, how can we destroy monogamy? They responded, 
by promoting promiscuity, eroticism, prostitution, and homosexuality. You see, a market for hush compensation has unfolded toward women for playing the victim to society's infamous patriarchal figures. They vilify Bill O'Reilly to crush conservative patriotic sensibilities. They scandalized Donald Trump to crush Christian nationalistic patriotism. They exploited Bill Cosby's weakness to dismantle the black traditional nuclear family. And in its place, to erect Black Lives Matter to disrupt the nuclear family. This genuflection of our society today is actually its men not correcting women as they shout, women rule, guys drool, while collectively asserting my wife is always right, affirming Karl Marx's feminist standpoint theory. While man continues apologizing for what he never does and woman keeps forgiving for what she continually creates, women continue to hold the cards while building a track record as lifelong victims for men who have become lifelong offenders. God warned men not to travel down the road. Many pastors are leading congregations, asserting happy wife, happy life, or when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. As women continue to hold 70 to 80% share of the consumer spending pile, the producers of Christian movies, Christian music, and Christian media get a corner on the market by branding to women our society's prized victim mentality by rebuking men for not leading well, even though following is just as much of a contact sport. 593 universities specializing in psychology are churning out therapists, setting men in their place as the betrayers of all worlds, while women are just perpetual victims, as Aaron Wren remarked. Buy a marriage book by someone. Just count up how many negative characterizations of men are made in the book and how many negative characterizations of women are made in the book. Generally, you'll discover that the negative characterization of women in the book is zero, end quote. Many pastors today heroically speak out against Hollywood, politics, society, and culture, yet won't dare to open their bottom lip about this confederacy lest they be excluded, isolated, subjugated, and punished. While perusing a store, I commonly see dejected males holding purses while their female counterparts lead the way. The scriptures never instructed men, pick up your cross and follow the woman. Because when the man follows the woman, he always suffers. In the original Jewish wedding, the groom would walk down the aisle to retrieve his spouse as a symbol that Christ the bridegroom was coming for his bride, Matthew 25, 1-13. Yet we have inverted this symbol with the woman as the initiator. Women are leading the way. The woman's role was to teach her children the behavior of sharing and caring. Yet when women are put in charge of society, they implement policy for redistribution of wealth. A woman's role was to teach her children kindness and to punish rudeness. Yet when women are put in charge of society, they implement policies of hate crimes and safe spaces. A woman's role was to teach her children to love others. Yet when Robin DiAngelo is yielded platform in a society for her book, White Fragility, she instructs Jimmy Fallon's audience, the racism that I have, the racism that you have, it's a result of living in a society in which racism is the foundation. While her scholarly work, Is Everyone Really Equal?, traces her convictions to Karl Marx and the Frankfurt School, where professors study why Marxism failed to monopolize the globe, boiling the brand down to critical theory that would be more palpable to America's palate. 
soccer moms had prepped the path for this line of thought, embedding within young minds the idea, everybody gets a trophy, as deceptive packaging that was later to manifest the notion of equality of outcomes. Expanding the woman's role even once more, once mom discovered she could receive all the benefits of marriage while not actually having to submit to patriarchy set up by biblical Abraham himself by marrying Big Brother in her wedding of the left's 1964 Great Society Act, the paternal preference rule on child custody cases in family and insolvency courts did, as a general rule, swing to mom, kicking dad out as he begged for joint custody with the door shut. You see, the left rewards moms gone wild with profitable government-funded J-O-Bs as M-O-Ms, where B-A-B-Ys would be consolidated as United States Corporation property, not the property of the father, as everything, or in this case, everyone, the government funds, the government can also take away. Like Gerald R. Ford suggesting a government big enough to give you everything you want is a government big enough to take from you everything you have. Predetermining as their choice of vocation to become baby farmers, receiving temporary assistance for needy families, TANF, to spend on themselves and not their babies, Dorothy Dix in the Hartford Courant elucidated that they demand that their husband shall slave to support their children and deny themselves ease and luxury in order that their children may go to high-priced colleges and have expensive cars and clothes, but that ends their conception of a father's relationship to their children. He is just a biological and financial necessity, and having served his purpose, he goes into the scrap heap by the ruthlessness with which they separate their children from the father when they happen to want to divorce, end quote. While churches, communities, and corporations assume form into a female victim-centered approach, this unholy alliance has alienated dads as non-utilitarian, stripping them of significance, meaning, purpose, security, and fulfillment, as now a man's only way to move forward seems to emerge as embracing effeminacy, adopting valley girl uptalk laryngealization, applying feminine idiosyncrasies, and wearing tight, unmanly clothing. Jerry Falwell stated, I listen to feminists and all these radical gals. Most of them are failures. Some of them have been married, but they married some Casper Milquitoast who asked permission to go to the bathroom. These women just need a man in the house. That's all they need. Most of these feminists need a man to tell them what time of day it is and to lead them home. And they blew it and they're mad at all men. Feminists hate men. They're sexist. They hate men. That's their problem. End quote. Manness has no longer remained a desirable commodity. As Pastor Mika Edmondson faultily said, the Bible isn't occupied with teaching men how to be men. The Bible is preoccupied with teaching men how to be kind, humble, just, compassionate, generous, gentle, faithful, and peace-loving, end quote. At first glance, the latter part might seem a helpful tip, but notice Mika making devarication separating manness from the fruit of the Spirit, and holding the natural law that is correlated to manness at a distance from his definition of biblical fruit that would be possessed in anything other than the masculine, there to the feminine. If you follow his argument through to its logical conclusion, at the end you would find manness stripped of its sap and in desperate need of the woman's aura. In 1904, the Boston Globe journaled, 
This system prescribes a certain attitude. It is the attitude of crawl, salam, obsequiousness, and second fiddle. If you depart from it by a hair's breadth, your woman becomes suspicious of you. Peace at any price is a man's rule of life. End quote. These misandrists, men-haters, aim to rid men from the planet, strip them of their nature, and become lesbians married to women inside men's bodies. As NPC Daily announced, it's 2019, and it's time for men to step off their high horse and their pedestal. Women don't want strong, muscular men anymore. This isn't the 80s. This is the future of America, and the beta males are in the lead. End quote. You see... There's something very wrong here, ladies and gentlemen. There's something very wrong in our society. There's an experiment being done. Do you feel it? Do you sense it? Do you ever think about it? Without priests, women cut themselves off from God. Without prophets, they cut themselves off from growth. Without protectors, they cut themselves off from security. Without providers, they cut themselves off from shelter, raiment, and nourishment. Do you see what's going on? I don't need a man has begun the silent chant of Christian feminists who have transcended the need for human intimacy to theoroticism, altering God's love from agape into eros, no longer calling Jesus Savior, but lover. Literally, as when in the book The Joy of Intimacy, female Christian public speaker Voss Camp writes, I fly to Paris and discover how to make love to God, end quote. God's purpose in marriage was eradicating selfishness and learning selflessness, which had been stunted in rejecting the family construct, constructing me-centered theologies, meologies, around master manipulators like Brian Houston, Bill Johnson, and Stephen Furtick, who utilize means of crowd control to worm their way into homes through live stream, gaining emotional control over gullible women and people, 2 Timothy 3.6, through the fronts of modern worship music like Hillsong, Bethel, and Elevation. All the while, elite oligarchic Luciferians are easily stealing Americans' kids who have bought into mom's lie, disregarded dad, and adopted her rebellious mindset and emotional behavior, which is why millennials and Gen Zers are so easily manipulable to breaking rules and being destructive without any built-in restraining force. Though they are well aware that Christian nationalism is good and radical leftism is evil, society's paleo-evangelical children still raise both sides of Christian nationalism and radical leftism to the same level of wickedness because they do not want to vote against mom's husband, the benevolent dictator, who has funded her welfare in protecting, providing, priesting, and profiting. Mom's children have clothed themselves with her viewpoint, rejected responsibility, played the victim, and is receiving all the benefits the government stole from the working class as part of her devil's bargain. The Babylonian fertility cult's worship of Mother Isis and child Osiris is alive and well today, as if Genarchy's children have divorced themselves from truth, buying into her delusion, renaming her opinions data, her lies research, and her subjective ideas objective truth, while calling data opinions, research lies, and objective truth, subjective ideas. 
Dorothy Dix continued, She cannot bear for them to love anyone else, not even their father, as well as they love her. She is filled with torturing fear that they may even prefer their father to her, as children often do if left to follow unhampered their own impulses. End quote. Cornelius Van Teel, a post-millennialist um, theologian, theologized that it would be impossible for anyone, anybody, who seeks to further truth to sustain a profitable conversation with types who enjoy truth upside down. As former KGB Yuri Bezmanov lectured on ideological subversion, that it was to be to change the perception of reality to, of every American to such an extent that, despite the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions. A person who is demoralized is unable to assess true information. Even if I showered him with documents, with pictures, even if I take him to the Soviet Union and showed him the concentration camps, he will refuse to believe it until he receives a kick in the bottom by the military boot. End quote. The Bible inferred about those who are gone in John eight forty four. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. End quote. Dad's kids fear questioning their stepdad, the radical left, even to the demise of America. Yet if dad continues to capitulate to this madness, his kids will follow mom right into the lap of communism. This is a call to fathers. It's a call to the patriarchs. It is a call to men to stand up, to raise your families, to love your families. But we cannot love them if we do not lead them to the truth. I am Chase Parrish, and this is Red Space. Thank you.